Sock Pig by Sharon Cobb and Ian Kyler. She enters her bedroom after cleaning her teeth. Blonde hair over face, slim frame in stripy pyjamas, pallor pale. She yawns. Her stuffed toy, Sock Pig, is on the end of her bed. How strange, she thinks. Sock Pig lives on her pillow. Sock Pig is very important to her because he had belonged to Ralph. She'd made him from a leftover sock with cross stitches for eyes, a warm brown button nose and a tentative, stitchy smile. She loves him very much. She puts him back on the pillow. He feels warm. She must have slept on him in the night. She goes to her dressing table and brushes her hair, gazing out of the window. Mother says she's letting herself go, but she's brushing her hair these days, cleaning her teeth. That's better than before. She looks out on her garden, overgrown with weeds and leaf litter. As she stares at the green and brown, there's a flash of movement. A fox, perhaps. Mr. Jangles, her cat. The doorbell rings and she jumps. It's probably Mother, she sighs. Of course it's Mother, no one else calls at this time of the morning. In fact, no one else calls. Mother breezes in with a flurry of flowing skirts, perfect locks and sweet perfume. There's Tupperware in this week's meals, ready to reheat. But she's just not hungry these days. She smiles vaguely as Mother empties her bonnet of the usual bees. Not eating enough, must get out more, never could use a duster. Then she hears a noise. Tap. Tap, tap. Tap. Will she ever move on? Will she ever dust? Why is the toaster in the living room? On it goes. Tap, tap, tap. A rhythm. What can she say? No to moving on. It's all too impossible without Ralph. Probably not a natural duster either. Dustra? Whatever. And yes, I need a new toaster, and I've lost the wooden horse from the mantelpiece. Not cared a lot about things like that since that last dark night. Please go now, please. Mother leaves, shouting instructions to cook chicken properly and not eat blocks of cheese as a main meal. There's affection beneath the bluster, and no appreciation for a pound of cheddar with mayonnaise. Alone again. Silence. She savours the peace. Tap, 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 from the downstairs cloakroom. She creeps towards the door, listening. Tap, tap. She pulls it open and stares in. It's the wooden horse. It's galloping around the toilet mat, galloping and dancing and catching her eye, neighing gaily. She closes the door and goes to put the kettle on. She clicks on the kettle, then clicks it off, then clicks it on. She's got good at not thinking. The doorbell. No, she wants to be alone. Get the point, mother, please. She opens the front door with her please leave me alone face on and... Oh, it's a man, a strangely dressed man. He's tallish with blonde floppy hair and a cricket outfit and... Okay. Celery. Hello. I'm the doctor, and I'm afraid you've got an animus rip in your garden. His voice is friendly enough. What? The man barges into the hallway. No time to explain, I'm afraid. He charges through the house, heading for the back garden. Oh, you've got the kettle on. His face pops around the kitchen door, grinning in perfect teeth. 
A cup of tea would be lovely. Thank you. She follows, her brain some way behind. He's out in the garden, rooting around under Ralph's favourite shrub. The thing is, the anima are a wily bunch. If they see you coming, they'll just shift to a different location. Not very far, mind, because uh, that uses too much energy. Fortunately, they're not big on the brain front. And she can see his thoughts barge past his ability to speak. It's kind of sweet. I have a few tricks up my sleeve. He drops a strange contraption from the arm of his coat. It looks like a transistor radio with all the wires pulled out and rearranged into strange finger-like shapes. A kind of haze emits from it. He points it hither and thither, and it wheezes like an old donkey. Finally, her brain kicks in. This man's an intruder. She tries for anger and an energetic put-down. It takes an effort to raise her voice. Look, mate, who the flying... I'm the doctor, says the doctor, frowning. Well, quit being nuts, will you, and... The energy goes. She feels tears and needs to be alone again. She mutters, The garden's all yours. But all she feels is Ralph's silence. She leaves the mad doctor and his wheezing box and trudges back to the stairs. Tap, tap, tap. She pauses. She doesn't care. Up she goes, tears shrouded by an echo of the dancing horse, mother's voice, and a madman under a bush. She opens her bedroom door and catches Sock Pig with her foot. He scurries under the bed. Scurries. Under the bed. Okay. Caring now. Not Sock Pig, please. She lies on the floor and gazes into the half-light of the underbed world. Sock Pig peers back at her. He blinks. She blinks. She blinks again, and Sock Pig twitches his stitched smile and waves his knitted trotter. He looks sad for her. Hello, Sock Pig, she says, like she always does. I loves ya. Sock Pig shivers and runs for it. There is a blur of pink as he charges at her. Woolen trotters tickle her back as he skips over her and out onto the landing. She jumps up and follows, but he's gone. Hello, she says. Sock pig. The airing cupboard door creaks. He's in there. She pulls at the door, but it won't budge. He must be holding it shut. Sock pig. She tugs again, then leans close, listening. Aha! The shout makes her jump. The mad doctor is inside, charging from room to room. Her instincts surprise her. She wants to protect Sock pig. She whispers to him through the door. Shh! Keep quiet. Downstairs, the man is running his gizmo along the skirting boards. He zooms past her and darts from the hall to the living room, trailing bits of radio behind him and shouting about the rip getting bigger and easier to spot. Look, she says, you're scaring me, so please leave. He stops in front of her. But I've got the trail. Well, still scary, so go, she sputters. There's confusion in his face. Man confusion. I'm sorry, he says. I know this is a terrible inconvenience, but really, I must get it done. Otherwise, the interstitial time jumps will damage the, um, the, uh... He looks at her with kind eyes and a warm smile. He's a complete stranger, but in truth, she feels at ease in his presence. Safe. Well, we'll be in a fix, he finishes, peering at her. You're not scared, are you? Not really. Don't kill the nice things, please. What was she saying? It just tumbled out. Don't kill them, please. A dancing horse and a toy pig. My God, she's worried for her toys. It's not a matter of killing. 
I'm here to close a rip in time that is letting the anima into your house. One of them has squeezed through the rip, most probably created by some kind of unfortunate event. Ralph. He knows about Ralph. She just stares at him. The doctor is about to say more when the toaster shoots into the room, laps his feet and trundles out again, trailing its plug behind. See? He says. Anything could come to life. Towels, tables, toys, toasters. The kettle bounds around them, spluttering hot water as it bounces out. What's wrong with that? They're nice, funny, I like them. She hears her own voice, all plaintive and defensive. Anima use cracks to squeeze through to look for food. They create life, then feed off the resultant energy created by the unnatural life force. Okay, so I've got a chirpy toaster. Where's the harm in that? Well, he says, and charges off again. She follows him into the hallway, the kitchen, the hallway, the stairs, the landing, by the airing cupboard. He stops sharply. I think it's jumping from object to object. Is that bad? Hmm. I, I, I don't mind, really, I don't, she says. They start off small, you see. Toasters, toys, the odd garden gnome, but the weirdness of the life force makes them stronger. They hear a rattling from her bedroom, and suddenly they're in there, standing over her bedside cabinet, listening to a knocking from the drawer. He keeps talking. The stronger they get, the bigger the items they animate. One minute, it's your household goods, and then your... He opens a bedside drawer, and they both stare at the jiggling object. Then, your house. They stare at the object, not looking at each other. Then, every house. The object jiggles and glimmers, then drops back into the drawer. It's jumped again. He points his wheezing radio at the drawer. The floor. He's gone again, out into the landing. Here somewhere, here somewhere. What are you going to do to stop it? Stun it. Six reflective surfaces and a sonic screwdriver. It's like a slap in the head. Ten seconds and the anima are sucked back into the vortex. Fifteen seconds and the rip's gone and all's well. He pauses and frowns. At least, that's the theory. Sock pig. She feels a knot in her stomach as the doctor tests the airing cupboard door. Does it hurt? Killing it? Hmm? Sending it back, you mean? He tugs at the cupboard door. Stopping it bouncing around, yes. He tugs again on the door. There's a squeak from inside. It's jumped again. In here. Must be in a loop. Can't like the vibration, so it's looping round a finite set of... He wrenches the door open. Sock Pig is staring at him, shivering. Gotcha! She hits the doctor. Really hard. In the back of the head. He slumps to the floor, out, cold. And for the first time in months, she feels excitement. Why did she do that? Is he alive? Oh, God. She feels the doctor's wrist. There's beating there. So, okay. Hope he's not the angry type. He seems so sweet and weird, but... Oh, the police. What would she say? Oh, shut up. He's a nutter in her house. She breathes, staring at the trapped, shivering Sock Pig. Sock Pig dashes for her, into her arms. He understands now. They hug. It's silly, probably dangerous, but she hugs him like a mother. Then she decides to fix this, and she runs, Sock Pig sitting in her dressing gown pocket. The mirror. She drags it into the bathroom and props it up on the floor. Down the stairs she dashes, hunting the toaster, which she finds inanimate and stuck in Mr. Jangle's cat flap. Back upstairs to the bathroom. Back downstairs to the understairs toilet. She should plan. This is incoherent. But she has to get the bathroom full before he wakes up. There's the dancing horse. Undancing and lying by the loo, its legs in the air. Upstairs again and into the bathroom. If she does it all, perhaps she can save Sock Pig. Perhaps the doctor will forget him when he comes too. What else? The cattle. What else? There'd been a movement somewhere. A flash. 
the garden. She runs downstairs again and out into the cold day. What was it? She stares at the mess of green and brown. Nothing. Ralph's favorite shrub. Nothing. What was it? It was the gnome, says the doctor, standing in the doorway and rubbing his neck. She swivels round, guilty and scared. There, by a bird bath. He doesn't seem angry. Bring it up. We'll need your kitchen bin, biscuit tin, makeup mirror, and some cutlery. She does as she's told. They sit down together in the bathroom, in the center of the mirrors, cutlery, and other metalware. The doctor hasn't said anything, even as she slowly wept and put the toaster, horse, and kettle in the middle of the circle with them. He shuts the door and sits with her in the middle of the circle. This, he says, pulling a metal stick from his pocket, is sonic. He puts his radio gizmo by his feet. It will change the vibrations, reflecting around the circle and into the rip fixer. Ten seconds and it's stunned. Fifteen. And it's gone. She cries, feeling the shivering in her pocket. Give me the pig, please. She passes him over. The doctor takes him. I'm sorry, this may sting a bit, he says, clipping a wire from the gizmo to Sock Pig's ear. Then he makes his stick buzz, and Sock Pig screams and shivers. She tries to grab him back, but the doctor grips her wrist suddenly. No, we have to do this, or the street starts bouncing and people die. She feels a build-up of energy in the air, like static that makes your skin prickle. It builds and builds distorting, washing around the mirror, the cutlery, the circle. It flows through the horse, which twitches. It bounces between the kettle and the toaster. They jump. It surrounds Sock Pig, who squeals and scrabbles at his knitted ear with knitted trotters. Ten seconds, and the horse, kettle, toaster, and no, Sock Pig fall still. The buzzing and energy flow around them. The whooshing noise fills the room, but she doesn't care. She stares at the still Sock Pig and weeps. Fifteen seconds and flash and silence. And she's sitting in her bathroom with a strange man and a pile of household objects. She and the doctor stare at each other silently. He looks guilty, absent-mindedly stroking sock pig. The rip is fixed. The energy is back where it should be. He unclips sock pig's ear. She takes the toy from him. Poor, dear little sock pig. Please go. He stands over her, doing as she asks. Yes, I have more to do. There's residual energy I have to disassociate from the vortex. Just a sliver. Shouldn't do any harm. Just leave me alone. He kneels, his face close. I saw the back room when I woke up, says the doctor. What was his name? She cuddles sock pig. Ralph. The energy sliver should last for about 60 months. Grief is briefer. Sadness, sadness doesn't fade. And then Sock Pig twitches and scratches his ear. He'll need some sleep, says the doctor, stuffing the metal stick and gizmo into his pockets. I have to go. One last smile. Make lists, plans, he prods her forehead. Now, and then he's gone. But she barely notices because Sock Pig is squirming and oinking in her arms. And she's smiling, really smiling for the first time in so long. She carries Sock Pig to the back room and puts him in the cot. 
she sings him to sleep. Later on that evening, when she has also slept and dreamt of hope and sunshine, she smiles at Sock Pig when he wakes. She feels a pang of happiness as she stares into his cross-stitched eyes. And then she makes some lists and some plans. And they go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> 